0: I'm going to share from God's word. I'm going to share uh, from the book of John. So if you go to the book of John, the third chapter, John, the third chapter, and. Um, we, I just walked by, actually, our starting point class, which was right before this service. And uh, that, a new, that, that happens each month. And so that starts on the first Sunday of each month. Starting point does. If you go, I just don't know, like, what's the first thing I should do beyond coming to a service? And I would say starting point would be uh, that. Uh, but we did have a new one start this last uh, couple hours ago, actually. And uh, it, was, it was full. You might be able to squeeze in there next Sunday, but... Uh, Uh, Anyway, you can check that out. Starting Point is always coming up on the first Sunday of each month. Um, John, are you there? John chapter 3, are you there? Say amen. Amen. Okay. I'm going to read a few verses from John chapter 3, one of which will be very, very familiar. Uh, The two verses following it, though they are linked with the first verse that we will read, you may not know them quite uh, with the accuracy level that you'll know the first verse that we read. But I want to read uh, in the book of John, I want to read chapters uh, 3, and I'm going to read verses 16, 17, and 18. Let me tell you the title of my message today before uh, we even read this passage of Scripture. The title of this message is Love, Give, Send. Love, Give, Send. Now I want you to watch, as we get ready to read this text, I want you to watch for those concepts as we read these three verses. Watch for those um, elements to rise to the surface as we read these three verses. John chapter 3, verse 16 through 18 says this, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Verse 18, whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already, because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. we preach love, give sin. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word. And I do pray for a shift in our faith family today. God, let there be a shift in our culture. Let there be a shift in our understanding. Let there be a shift in our burden. And I pray, God, that this would come only from you. We want no we have no interest in manipulation. We have no interest in, in twisting anyone's arms. Um, God, we just pray that your spirit would so fill our lives right now as we, uh, as we just give ourselves to you. Anoint this word today in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. 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 Well, as many of you know, I have uh, five kids. Me and, my wife, me and my wife had five kids. And... Um, when they were growing up, this was probably 15 years ago now or something, but when they were growing up, we had the unique privilege and treat to uh, get to take all of them, we took the whole crew, on a cruise. And uh, man, we had saved up for quite a while to be able to do that. And and uh, man, it was it was quite uh, uh, an experience. And so uh, we, we get that. I don't remember what the ages of all my kids were, but we had a couple teenagers in the mix. We might have had a tween or two in the mix. And then I do remember that my youngest was probably four and a half or something when we went on that trip. Um, and so we got on the boat and we're walking around, we're looking around, we're seeing things. And then the five kids come up to us and they go, hey, we wanna look around, and we wanna see this and we wanna see that and we read about this. And I said, okay, that's fine. And so we, we came up with a meeting point. To be honest with you, me and my wife weren't all that upset about having a little alone time of our own right there during that first few minutes on the ship. So we're like, yeah, y'all go ahead and look around and then we'll meet back here at this time. And so we, we did that and um, uh, and off they go. And so we start looking around. The time came for us to meet back up. And so we come to the spot that we're going to meet up. And here comes two of the kids coming towards us. We're like, well, all right, that's good. Two out of five. We're already, we're already getting somewhere. They're not all missing, so that's good. Um, and then we, we, we talk to these first two that walk up for a second, whatever. And then all of a sudden, here comes some other of our kids around the corner. Two. Two of our other kids now are coming. And uh, so then we, we start to count. We go, we know we, have, we had five when we got on the boat. We got four now, and the one that's missing is the four-year-old, exactly. Now, I have waited until the statute of limitations has passed to even tell you this story, lest one of you would try to call and report us, okay? I'm trusting you with this information. Keep this between us, okay? I have since uh, increased in my parenting skill set quite a bit since then. All right. So just down with the judgment. All right. So Four of them are coming back and we're like, where's Ashton? And the first two that got there were pointing to the other two going, he was with you. And the two that got there second were pointing to the two that got there first and said, no, he was with you. And uh, so they're arguing about who he was supposed to be with. Me and my wife are consumed with the fact that he's not with any of us. And so immediately... Um, immediately, like, we, we burst into response. We burst into action, not even just us, not even just the, the, the father, not, not even just me or my wife, but yet the siblings also. Why did we, why did we move into action? I'll, I'll tell you why. First of all, because of love. Because not only did we love him, but, but his siblings loved him. And so at that point, we knew we had to do something. And so the first thing we did is we gave. You go, you gave money? No, we gave time. We took time right then to start to go and figure out what we were going to do. And maybe somebody, maybe not, would think this. But like here we are on vacation. And you wanted to see the ship. And you wanted to go do things. And you wanted to go to the buff buffet. Can I tell you that in that minute, like the pool and the ping pong table and the buffet, none of that mattered because our son was lost. And so we gave time. And we, the, the, the last thing we, we did in that moment is we did a send. Love gives sin. And we said, okay, you two, you go that direction. You two, you go that direction. We'll go this direction. And we, we sent ourselves out looking for this lost child and me and my wife were asking around we're frantically urgent man this is the only thing that mattered at that moment and we finally started asking around and we asked one of the uh workers on the ship and they said oh a little guy and they'd start describing we we're like yes that's him and they're, oh yeah he's he's with uh, so-and-so he's go, go down here and see that person we go down there and see that person oh yeah he's right over here and, And so we walk up on our our son, and he has no idea that anything is even wrong. He's having the time of his life. They have given him candy, they're showing him around things, they gave him a little stuffed animal, like he's just thinking, I like cruises, this is good stuff, like we should do this more often. I don't even really have time to preach this yet, But that's partly a good picture of a lost world. There are some people out there in unreached areas and they don't even know how lost they are. That's why it's so urgent and imperative for us, for somebody to come along and say, look, I know you think you're just doing life, but listen, you are lost and you've got to know that. And in that moment, that's all that mattered was finding him. And we did. Uh, And thank God that he, he helped us do that. But this passage in John chapter 3 really is the most, it's the most important missionary moment in history. I don't know if you've ever thought about Jesus as a missionary, but Jesus was a missionary Right? For God so loved the world, he he sends his son into the world. Jesus comes into an environment that is not his own to seek and save that which is lost. This, John 3, 16, 17, and 18, is describing the divine missions moment, the most important one in all of history. Verse 16 tells us that God gave his son. Verse 17 explains why God gave his son. Verse 18 emphasizes the result of that. And I want us just to look at those three concepts. Out of these three verses, love gives sin. First, let me talk about love. Verse 16 said, For God so loved. The world And I, I think I'm, I'm afraid that sometimes a verse like this, because of its familiarity, can lose its punch in our life. Because like at football games this afternoon, there's going to be people that are holding up a sign that says John 3.16. And there might be players that have John 3.16 on their eye black, on their face. And because this verse gets so quoted and it's so well known, sometimes the truth of it can start to get a little bit contempt in our life. But listen to me, never lose that thought that God so loved a world what wonder that is that a world that is so messed up, a world that has turned its back against God, that that's the world that God loves enough to send his son to. We can't lose that thought that God loves the world. And I don't have time to to get into all of the context of these verses. But if you read chapter 3, what you'll find is that Jesus is dealing with a Pharisee leader named Nicodemus, and they're trying to explain to him the uh, what it means to be saved. They're trying to explain to him what it means to believe on Jesus, to be born again, to find eternal life through Jesus Christ. And as they're explaining this to him, verse 16 happens, for God so loved the world. And the reason why that gets emphasized here for Nicodemus and for the Pharisees is because the Pharisees and in the Jewish culture, Jewish people believe this, God loves us, God God loves the uh, nation of Israel, God loves the Jewish people, but God does not love the world. Those people are all Gentiles, those people are all trouble. God loves us, he does not love them. Jesus is showing up and breaking all of that tradition and he says this, no, 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 for God so loves the world. And sometimes we Christians, we can fall into that same Pharisee mindset where we go, well, I mean, of course God loves me because I am so lovable. Like, I mean, people write songs about it all the time. We sing songs about it all the time. Oh, how much God loves me. It's just so awesome how much God loves me and how I'm God's favorite. Like, these are the things that we start to believe about ourselves. And look, I I want you to understand that God does love you, but it's not just you. Matter of fact, it's not just about you. Sometimes this, God loves me. God loves me more. Like, sometimes this can turn into a, like, we call it our, Jesus, our personal savior. And I want, I want you to feel like Jesus is your personal savior, but he's not just, it's not just about you. Sometimes when we make it all about us, here's what happens. Then we start to come to church like this and we go, well, I mean, I don't really like that song that much. They should do that other song. I really like that style. My family, we prefer this kind of style. When we make it about us, we walk around and go, well, I don't know why that wall is that color. I mean, it should be this color. We start to make it about us, and listen, it's never been about you. It's always been about them. For God so loves the world. There are regions of the world. There are regions of the world that have not yet turned to him, and yet God loves them. While we were yet sinners, the Bible says, Christ died for us. Don't lose that thought, that concept that God loves the world. As I was on that ship and my flesh and blood was lost, I was willing to do anything in that moment. And most of you would go, well, of course, of course that's what you should do because that's what a parent should do. And that's true. But I want you to think about for a moment that that is the way God the Father feels about every person, every lost person on the planet, no matter the color of their skin, no matter the language that they speak, no matter what kind of false religion they've fallen into. God loves them. God loves the world. And our goal, amen, our goal in a week like this is to love God so much that we begin to love the things that God loves. That we would love, that our love for God would increase so much that we would begin to love those who God loves. For God so loved the world. Love, and then the second one would be give. Give. He said, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. God did not give money in this exchange And I'll make something clear today. I'm not preaching about giving money. I'm talking about something much more valuable than that. God did not give money in this exchange. He gave something so much more valuable than money. He gave his son. uh, Romans chapter 8, Paul says it this way, that God spared not his own son. And when confronted with this mission to reach the world, let's pray for a giving spirit that engages well beyond money. Can I say that one more time? That would be one of the things that I would ask us to pray about these next seven, eight days, is God, let, there something, let something click in me, let something shift in me that goes well beyond money. But God, touch my heart for that which is lost. Now is there a relationship between my heart, the passion of my life, the compassion that I have, is there a connection between that and my money? Yes. Matthew chapter 6 talks about that. We've heard, matter of fact, it was referenced even on the panel a few moments ago. That's where um, Jesus said, Don't store up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and vermin destroy, and where thieves break in and steal, but instead store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and vermin do not destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. It's this link between our heart and our treasure. It's this link between what we love and what we resource. There is a link there. And part of that truth would be this, that I, when I put my treasure towards something, I begin to have a heart for that that thing. I begin to care about what I invest in, I care about. So there may be somebody that goes, Pastor, like I hear people talk about a lost and dying world, unreached people groups. I, I hear people talk about that and it doesn't bother me like it bothers some others. I don't know if I care like I should. I don't know if I'm broken inside. I don't know if I'm dead inside. I don't feel it, I don't care. And this is what I would suggest. I would say, start giving towards it and then you would use you'll see your heart start to go where your investment so the investment does bring with it then a a heart however let me make this very very clear that no investment no gift you would ever give would ever take the place of love isn't that the truth like in our relationships in our marriages in our parenting no gift will ever take the place of love and so in john three sixteen, when it's saying that god so loved the world that he gave, the, the way that that sentence is structured in the Greek is very careful, it's very specific. It's not God loved so as to give, it's God loved so that he gave, and here's, here's the difference between those two. It's not that he gave and so therefore you could tell he loved. That's not the way that verse is structured. The verse structured is structured as he loved so much that he gave. Now, you can give without loving, although if you give, the love's probably gonna start to move that direction. You can give without loving, but you cannot love without giving. That's why we would put a part of this as as giving. Now, here's what I would ask you to give over these next seven, eight days. I want you to give this time. I want you to give this thing prayer. I want you to take these next seven, eight days and say, God, what is my part in this? I'll tell you right now, I'm believing for a shift in this, in, in our faith family. I'm believing that some of you that have never made a, uh, a, a, you know, you've never been a part of our mission's expression to reach the world. You have just never have been a part of it before, and this you're, you're going to this year. Why? Because God's going to speak that into your life. And some of you that have been, I believe God's going to just revolutionize what you do and how you do it because we give him the time to speak to us. Love, give, and then the last one is send. Verse 17 says, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. God did not send his son to condemn. God sent his son to save the world through him. And we go, oh, see, there it is. Jesus never condemns anybody. That's not exactly what this verse is saying. The verse is not emphasizing that Jesus doesn't condemn anybody. What the verse is saying is what the next verse says, which is this, we already stand condemned. So without Jesus Christ, we have already condemned ourselves. We don't have to be condemned by God. Our actions, our disobedience, our sin, that's why we stand condemned. God doesn't have to send us to hell. We're sending ourselves there because we stand condemned automatically unless we have accepted that gift of salvation and believed on Jesus. That's when we step out of the condemnation is when we're in Christ. That's why this this. Mission's mandate is so urgent because people people that don't know and they stand condemned. And if someone doesn't go and someone doesn't say yes, if someone doesn't I mean hear these a couple with 15 month old twins say yes because why? Because people are say standing condemned unless I go tell them otherwise. And if someone's willing to do that, and we as a church say then we're, we're going to be part of the sending process. We have no problem coming alongside and, and helping get you there and sending you there and supporting you with prayer, supporting you with, with finances. That's, that's really where we will stand in this. It's like there are three lanes that, that, that you'll be a part of this mission's expression, expression as, as, a, as a church. is. You'll, you'll go, or you'll send those who are willing to go, or you'll stay apathetic and uninvolved may be disobedient to God in the process. No, people have to be sent. I read this story about one grandfather and he went to his daughter's house and he was going there to see his grandson. And he walks in the door and uh, his grandson looks at him straight away. He's in the playpen and as soon as he sees his grandpa, he's like, "Grandpa, out, Gramp out. He's crying, he's moving his little chubby fingers back and forth. Grandpa goes over like any grandpa would and he's ready to pull him out of that uh, playpen and uh, the boy's mother speaks up. The grandfather's daughter speaks up and she goes, no, 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 Stuart's in trouble. He, he, can't get, he can't get out of the playpen yet. He's in trouble. And uh, so grandfather stops and then Stuart's still down there. Grandpa, Grandpa. And here this grandfather's having this moment of like just turmoil. And it's this, like he, he understands that the mom probably has good reason and that Stuart has done something wrong and he understands that. But boy, he wants to be with him. It's this tension between love and law. It's this, what are we gonna do with this? So grandfather sits there for a moment, his heart's breaking and he comes up with a plan. He knows he can't lift him out of there. So he grabs onto that playpen and the best he can, he steps over and gets in with his grandson. That is a beautiful picture of what Jesus did for us. Love and law. And he couldn't just lift us up to where he was. No, he had to come down to where we were in our environment. That is also a perfect picture of what missionaries do today. Missionaries willing to leave their environment, willing to go into environments that are foreign, that maybe they don't feel like they fit in quite as well as they do fit in in the environment they're leaving. And when those kinds of people say yes, then we, these kinds of people, will say, I'll be a part of sending you. Paul said in Romans 15, I make it my ambition to preach the gospel not where Christ has already been named, See, I think the greatest injustice in all the world is for somebody to live and die never having had a chance to say yes or no to Jesus. And yet that's happening all across the world. Every man, woman, child deserves to hear the gospel of Jesus once before someone else has the luxury of hearing it twice. How many times have we heard? How many opportunities have we gotten? And yet there's over 3 billion people on the planet that couldn't, they couldn't walk, they couldn't take a day's walk to get to a service like this we've just decided as a church this is going to be one of the things that is a distinction about us we're going to be a part of that we're going to we're going to impact the nations and I'm not saying that that other churches that maybe don't make this as heavy as a priority I'm not saying they're right or wrong it's not about right or wrong it's just about the fact that we know that God has put this on our heart that we're going to be a church that impacts the nations we're going to be a church that touches the world we're going to be a church that gets out of where we are and gets into whatever environment we got to get into to see somebody impacted, to see somebody encounter Jesus Christ. While 70% of the church, when they, when they poll, 70%, are, are, 70% of Christians aren't even aware that there are outreach people groups. These are, these are populations, they're, they're groups of people with less than 2% Christian. It's, they're not going to be reached unless something happens from the outside. There, there's over 3.2 billion of those people and 70% of the church doesn't even know that, that that's even a reality. And 29% of Christians believe that this is urgent. And so that's, we're, we're not gonna be the norm in these statistics. We're going to be a church that talks about this and it's aware of what's going on in our world. And we're going to give you an opportunity to be a part of it. And we're going to say, God, speak to us and challenge us about the urgency of these moments in Jesus' name.